start out uh, just a little bit differently this morning. Uh, we want to, if you can stay with me, Vic. Um, we want to uh, bring up Luther Menard. He has some news he wants to share with us. Let's give Luther a hand as he comes. What's up, man? Good, how you doing? So today we're going to be talking about Ephesians 6, and you see here we have, <laughs> I'm just playing, so yeah. Um, Luther has some news he wants to share with you, uh, and so I'm going to go ahead and let him share that at this time. Okay. Um, well, hey, Gospel Fellowship, how are you guys doing? Um, doing good? Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm headed out to, to Zambia, Africa for a month, um, and um, yeah, thank you. And um, you know, so I, I would just ask that uh, I'm going there through Urban Youth Impact and, um, you know, Pastor Chris, who's the president over there, um, you know, kind of filtering through and as long as it was good with GF and, and some other things, um, thought it would be good, some good training for me. Um, so I, I would just ask that you guys would pray for me um, as I head out there and, you know, just keep me in your prayers. It's going to be a training school there and there's going to be some mission work that we're going to be doing there. So, yeah. Awesome. What's your... Praise God. What's your what's your hope uh, as you spend a month there? As you learn engaging indigenous people groups, um, what's your what's your hope to bring back to GF? Yeah, the hope the hope for GF. Well, I know GF has been like very intentional even after the the Salt and Light series. Well, not Salt and Light, but Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Um, just talking about how we can uh, just take our 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 faith outside the four walls, and the hope is like. I know for me sometimes I get comfortable mm -hmm. and I know we're pushing that as a church and this is just also some extra training and additional training that will help push me and, and, and get you know resources and understanding like all right I, it's it's bigger than just us being comfortable here but Amen. going outside there and so um, I'm looking forward to that and I'm definitely looking forward to I mean just really like learning a different kind of way of life. Yeah. Um, and I always wanted to go to the, the homeland, the motherland. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah. But hopefully, like, even as I, we think about GF youth and things like that, mm -hmm. like, we could be more intentional about going out. Amen. And, and so, like, even with, like, that's why it's Paramount's uh, gospel fluency, which was huge yesterday, was great. Like, these kind of things we, we don't want to miss out on, like, those things that push us to really share our faith in the gospel. And, and love other people that look different than us. Have y'all ever had deja vu? That's what I'm having right now in this moment. Um, so praise God for that. Um, Luther, some of you may not know, uh, works with an organization called Urban Youth Impact and has been engaging East Boynton for some time now. And they're planning on engaging a new area of East Boynton called Sandcastle. And so uh, we're excited about that opportunity, a new area, new people. Um, so pray for him. You're going to be hearing more news about that as it rolls out. Um, it should be rolling out sometime, I believe, in July. Mm -hmm. July. Um, and we also have some other initiatives that we haven't spoken to with you yet, but we'll be getting with you about just ministry outside the four walls of the church. Luther's a part of a weekly meeting we have about that on Thursday. Um, and so we, we love our brother. Do y'all love Luther? So I, I want to give you an opportunity to get behind him. Um, if, if you've ever been to Africa, you know what that costs, okay? And so we want to support him. 
Um, if you go online and you go to our GF tab or our app and you click on Give, there's a tab called Missions. 100% uh, of what's raised today will go to help Luther. 100% uh, of what's raised today that you give towards missions will go to help Luther on that tab. I want to make him uh, help him cover the difference, okay? And so I want to pray for him. Will you stretch your arms out? And uh, pray for my wife, too. Oh, yeah. Why should we be praying for your wife specifically? Anything? Well, well, my wife's going to be, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to be together for a month, and so that's going to be pretty challenging. And so if you guys want to, you know, shoot her a text from time to time, invite her to game nights or something like that, that would be great. He's going to miss his bride. Yeah. He's going to miss his bride. <laughs> that was also 27 points uh, extra credit for that. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your son. Thank you uh, that the walk we have is a walk of, of, of rest, but it's also a call to action. And God, as he has leveraged uh, himself to go, I pray that you would bring him back full. I pray for your safety, for your protection. I pray for lessons and concepts. Missions changes us in a unique way. So Lord, I pray that he would be forever changed with a fresh perspective of how big God is. So Lord, would you do that for him? Give him favor as he shares the gospel, Lord, and help him to uh, bring those things back and implement them in Eastbourne. So we thank you for that. We lift up his bride, Lord. Would you be with her and protect her while he is gone? And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Thank you, bro. Awesome. And I love how Vic plays. Um, Okay, I guess you can stop if you want to. Um, we are in our series called Come and See. Somebody say, Come and See. And man, I just think the Lord met us in a unique way last week, and I'm excited about continuing this series. If, if, if you weren't here last week, let me catch you up. Uh, the premise of this series is I believe that there are many times, I believe right now, God's calling us to come and see more of who he is, more of what his plan is for our life, more of what he's calling us to do, more of his personhood, his righteousness, and his holiness. I think he's calling us to come and see, and I don't think that's a call that happens on Sunday. I think he's calling us to come and see every day. Every single day of your life, he's beckoning you to come and see. But I also believe that he's, he's beckoning you to not just come by yourself, but I believe he's beckoning you to beckon others to come and see. To come and see. I believe God wants to use each and every one of us as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. In other words, there is no varsity and junior varsity and freshman in the kingdom. <coughs> the stage is in varsity. He's calling all of us to play a part in the game that he's called us to play for his glory. Okay, so you can meet me in John chapter 4. As you're turning there, John chapter 4 is a very familiar passage of Scripture. And I have preached John chapter 4 many times as a preacher or a pastor. I've preached John chapter 4 to talk about the living water that God wants to give us that's springing up until eternal life. I've preached John chapter 4 to talk about relationships because in John chapter 4, 
Jesus is busts this woman bubble in a unique way and gets in her business about her relationships. I've used John chapter 4 to talk about evangelism and how God's calling us to be salt and light, and all those things are true. This morning, I want to share with you from a secondary issue in our text that I believe is of importance this morning. Because I believe the Word of God is loaded. And when you, when you gaze into a text, you see how multifaceted it is. It is like staring into a diamond, the different, the different shapes and angles that produce different kinds of reflection. So it is when you stare in the Word of God, not glance, but stare in it. You see stuff, no matter how many times you've read it, you see stuff you just have not seen before. Amen? So let's go to our text. Um, it was too much meat in here, so I had to, I'm going to give you something to eat this week, and then I'm going to make some leftovers for next week. Is that okay? <laughs> too much meat in this text. Let me break it up. John chapter 4, starting at verse 4, um, let's read passage. I'll read to you. And he had passed through, or let me see. He had, he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, weary as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and this well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drunk from it himself, and he did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Verse 15 the woman said to him, Sir, give me that water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go get your boo and come here. The woman answered him, I have no boo. Jesus said, You are right in saying you have no boo. You had five of them. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman replies. 
Let's go to God in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we got um, a challenging task ahead, a very personal task ahead as we talk about a God of diversity. It may not be as apparent in the text at first reading, but I pray that you would help us to glean every spiritual truth you want us to know. Father, use me to the end to expose lies that Satan has told and maybe we have believed. This is too big a job for man. It's a job for your spirit. So do what only your Holy Spirit can do and yield the fruit that you desire. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to talk to you today about a God of diversity. Three points. Number one, stating the obvious. Number two, are you better? Number three, come and see a man. Let's talk about stating the obvious. Here at Gospel Fellowship, we have core values. Core values are hopefully uh, things that help guide the church in, 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 in a way that it should go. It, it helps serve as parameters to help us remember what we should be focused on. One of those core, core values are uh, that we are gospel-centered, that in every sermon there should be some tie back to the good news about Jesus. And if you don't know what the gospel is, the gospel is the good news about Jesus, about who he is and what he's done. Every sermon should, should, should remind us of that, right? So we want to be centered on the gospel. We want to be city positive, thanking the Lord, as Luther mentioned, for awaking us earlier this year and, and reminding us of that. Another thing that we are serious about is disciple making. We're serious about you not just coming and being an attender, glad you're here, but along your journey, if you keep coming, you're going to feel these gentle nudges from us. Consider going in a community group. Consider going in discipleship. Consider coming to something that's going to stretch your faith and grow you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And another core value for us is being multi-ethnic. Multi-ethnic. In other words, we want to create this multi-ethnic ethos, if you will. This, this, this kind of community that is reflective of its values and aspirations. We believe that God has been multi-ethnic from the beginning. Now, this is something you may hear more and more and more about as you go along, but, but God has always been multi-ethnic in nature. Multi-ethnicity multi for us is not a fad. As a matter of fact, it's not popular right now to be multi-ethnic. In the racial climate in which we live, people, particularly minority groups, are retreating back into spaces that are comfortable for them because this environment and the racial tension that's happening in our country is too much to deal with on top of everything else I got to deal with. Let me come where I am familiar particularly in spaces like the church. But because we don't set the agenda for the church, God does, and his word does. We don't pick and choose what we get to do, right? And so we lean into what it means to be multi-ethnic. But Rodney, where does this idea start from? Does it start in this text in John? No, it started all the way back in Genesis chapter 2. 
You see, God made all people in his image and in his likeness. This is the Imago Dei, that all people, all cultures, all language, all, all expressions are made in the image of God. So every person, regardless of your culture, your socioeconomic class, your, 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 your race, what zip code you live in, what school your kids go to, we all are made with dignity and value in the image of God. We also see, going back to Genesis 12 and looking at Father Abraham, Father Abraham, right? We sung songs about him growing up. Three of the world's major religions root back to Father Abraham, and this brother is from Mesopotamia. And God says to this man, through you, Abraham, through you, not just your folk going to be blessed, but that all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. He's been thinking about nations from the beginning. Not only that, but we see that, that, that Israel is a mixed people. It is not some pure blood people. It's mixed people done through intermarriage. We see Judah and Simeon marrying Canaanites. We see Joseph marrying an Egyptian. We know Moses married an Egyptian as well. And when God delivers Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, out of bondage, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 12 that there was a mixed group of people that went with them. These were made up of Egyptians and other people group that when they saw what the Lord was doing, they were like, hold up, can we go too? Y'all getting out of slavery? Can I go too? So from the beginning, this are, this, it's a blended mix of folk that belong to the family of God. That is before we ever get to people like Ruth and Rahab, who are adopted in through their obedience and loyalty into the family of God. But that from the beginning, what I'm trying to drive home is this have been a diverse nation. Not to mention areas like Cush or Nubia or Ethiopia that was often mentioned in the Bible over some 50 times. These are African kingdoms along the Nile that's been marsh mess mixed into the people of God. So I think when we read the Bible, these are things we need to keep in mind so we don't look at the scriptures through cultural lenses and misappropriate Israelites to certain people group here. It's a diverse folk. The first non-Jewish believer in the New Testament was a black African. In the New Testament. So don't talk about slaves, trade, and white man religion. That don't even make sense. That's not even logical. We haven't even got to the rest of history before the slaves, but it's just not even a lot. If you're just staying with the book, it don't make sense. This is a diverse book. So people from all ethnic groups are now united with Christ. We see him coming and we see, we, we see the fulfillment of redemptive history. Now Christ has not just come for one group of people, even 
even if you said he came for the Jews, the Jews are a diverse group of people, but he didn't just come for the Jews. He came for all nations. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So this cannot be a white man's religion. He's Jewish. This is important because we live in a day, we live in a day that makes us believe, particularly for African Americans, if I could speak to you for a moment, it makes you believe that if you are a Christian that is following Jesus Christ, you have signed on to leave the trueness of your ethnic roots. Man, get out of here. Insanity. No, when we study scripture in light of scripture, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to dig in the book and we're going to exegete the text, but we're going to see some cultural things that's going to shed light on the text and give us a better understanding. I'm praying as you keep coming that you fall more and more and more and more in love with the scriptures because it's the primary way in which he speaks through you. So when we get to John chapter 4, verse 4, it makes sense. Look what this woman says, I love it. Or, 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 or look what Jesus says, rather. He, I love it. He says, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, why is that verse important? It's important because uh, at that time, Jews did not pass through Samaria. They took alternative routes to get to where they were going. They didn't pass through Samaria, uh, Samaria because Samaria or Samaritans are considered a mixed breed of people. In the time where the Jews were captured by the Assyrians, uh, so, uh, this, this group of people came out from people that intermarried with the Assyrians in these, this, the group name were Samaritans. And so they were a mixed breed. So the Jews looked down on them because of that. They didn't have any dealings with them. They lived completely segregated lives. They had their own religious traditions. They had their own temples. They had their own first five books of the Bible, their own law, if you will. They lived completely segregated lives. Just makes me think of Martin Luther King's quote some 50 years ago where it says the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of our day. Some 50 years later, it still rings true, and we can have that kind of frustration like King said this 50 years ago. Why is this still a reality? But if you think biblically, 2,000 years ago, this racism was still prevalent. And so you see its lingering effects even in people that were named the name of Jesus. So what's the answer? Just, well, let's just get together. Let's just have people from different cultures and, and colors and backgrounds just get together and let's just worship Jesus together. Man, praise God for that. Praise God for that. I believe by sheer proximity, change happens. 
Coca-Cola years ago found this out. They, 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 uh, most of their divisions and leaderships were uh, predominantly white, and it just wasn't reflective of the people that were consuming their products. So in the, I believe, early 90s, they had this huge diversity initiative. And what they found was the more diverse their corporation was, the better it was for business. How many people know Foca change for money? Foca, Foca change for money. Somebody said, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. What? I need to be diverse, not a problem. And so they start bringing in people. Now, what's the motivation? The motivation is, is money. It's amazing that corporations can do this, and, and sports organizations can do this, and nonprofits can do this. And then when we get to the church, we still have this struggle, and our motivation is so much richer than theirs. We, we have been drawn together, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, drawn together by the blood of Christ, and yet we segregate ourselves. Now, GF is growing in its diversity. We're, we're, and man, do I praise God for that. My, my life is diverse. I want my church to be diverse. I want to have people from all kinds of different colors and, and backgrounds and experience and folks stay on that side of town and this side of town. I want all of that mixed up in here. But here's why. Because I think that's where we're going. Revelations 5, Revelation 7 tells us we're, church is going to be, uh, heaven's going to be multi-ethnic. It's going to be no black heaven and, and white heaven and Hispanic and the food is different and the music is, there ain't going to be none of that in heaven. So if that's, if that's our trajectory, we might as well learn now how to live together here. And, and if you have tapped into this, here's one thing you know. Man, it's beautiful when your life is diverse. Oh, it's just so much better when all my friends don't look like me. Praise the Lord. It's amazing. Because you see stuff you just ain't seen before. You start going places you never thought you'd go before. It's just different. And we find different is not limiting or constricting or unauthentic. No, different is beautiful. But here's where I want to go today. Praise God for that. But I think there's another tier, specifically the GF, there's another tier we got to go to. We have to go deeper. Somebody say deeper. You see, it's not enough to just have people in your church that look different than you if you're not in relationship with them. If, it's, if the only time I see different is on Sunday or at work and people that are different never make it to my dinner table, never make it to my parties. I don't call them if I'm in pain. Because although we're together, they're still the other. Yeah. I believe Jesus wants us to go deeper 
in how we view diversity. Here's what I'm not for. I'm not for quotas. If it's not real, if it if it's not authentic, I don't want to show. Amen. So he had to go through Samaria. Listen, this woman helps us. I believe this woman helps us a lot. Look at verse 9, y'all. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says this. The Samaritan woman said to him, uh, hold up. I love her. I love her. Because she real. I love real people. She's like, hold up. Wait a minute. How is it that you a Jew asking me for a drink? A woman of Samaria. You know we don't do this. You know Jews and Samarians don't hang out. You Come on, you know that. We do life apart. We don't do life together. And here's what I appreciate about what she said. At least she said what she was really thinking. Too many times, if, 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 if we're going to go deeper in diversity, too many times we say stuff just to stay surface. She, she ain't got time to play games. She's like, listen, let me say what I'm really thinking. You know we don't do this. She's pointing out the differences. And that's point number one. If we're going to go deeper in how we view multi-ethnicity and diversity, if we're going to go deeper in how we can now call people into that, if that's going to happen, you've got to state the obvious. You've got to just have some frank, obvious, obvious conversation. She's not settling for diversity for diversity's sake. She's like, let's talk about it. Let's have a real conversation. You're a Jew. Question, how did she know Jesus was a Jew? If he didn't say he was a Jew. Because she can pick up and discern by the way he talked, by the way he was dressed, by the way he carried himself, that he was a Jewish man. This is important because God is not calling us to change who we are for the sake of diversity. So I don't have to now dress different and talk different for the sake of diversity. If, I mean, listen, I, I understand the need for cultural uh, fluency, being able to travel in between different cultures. But when we're together, I should be able to talk to you like it is. If I got to put on a whole nother language for us to talk, he's not calling you to change. Be who you are. He's made you that way, and it's beautiful in his sight. So if you're, not, if, if, if you're white, he's not calling you to start acting black, or whatever that means. If you're black, he's not calling you to start acting white. If you're Hispanic, he's not calling you to start acting black. It's, it's not this whole thing he has going on. Be who you are. She says, she's just out frank. Let's, let's talk through what are the barriers it means you got to ask dumb questions. So at a lunch, I think I've said this before, I preached, and the guy said, right, they want to grab lunch with you. White gentleman, older gentleman in this section, right, I want to get um, lunch with you. I want to talk to you about something. Okay, cool. Um, you pay, I'll pray. Let's make it happen. So he was cool with that. And um, 
So he gets me, we sit down at this restaurant, and, 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 and the first thing he says, okay, this is going to sound dumb, but I, I need to ask you. I said, shoot. He said, do I, what's the proper term? Is it, is it black? Is it African-American? Is it Afro-American? What's the proper term? Now, now, now some of you may say, man, it's kind of like, what's with that question? You need spaces where you can ask real questions. When God puts you in diverse relationships, it's not just so you can, well, let's just skirt around the issue of race. Let's not even acknowledge it. Let's just be colorblind. Colorblindness is an insult on the creation of God. He's made us different. We got to talk about it. We have to acknowledge it. We got to push past these limitations that exist in our culture. This woman, Jesus is asking his, him to drink from a cup. This is intimate, y'all. You got to see it in the text. He, this Jewish man is going to drink from a cup of a Samaritan woman. Think about how... Because the segregation was so deep, think about uh, the civil rights where you couldn't sit at black counters and you couldn't eat in, 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 in or white, white spaces, you couldn't eat at certain restaurants. Think of how deep that, that line of segregation was. And now in comes Jesus, this Jewish man who was seen at that time in a better social uh, or status placed than this Samaritan woman. Just the mere fact that their gender breeds a gap. And he's saying, give me a drink from your cup? This is an intimate, intimate thing he's asking for. So here's what I think we need to walk away with. Look what Jesus says to this woman. He's not saying this, well, forget you then, I tried. A lot of us, 2019, Truth be told, that's where we landing. Man, I tried to do the thing, but man, look, man, with all this political stuff, man, our president said this, man, I ain't, I ain't got no time for that. Mm -mm. I got to walk away from that, man. Or, or man, you know, I, I, I try to engage minorities, but every time I engage minorities, I get this constant little kickback. I feel like I, I have to work so hard. I ain't got time for that, man. I ain't got time. I'll just settle back where I was because it's, it's safer there. And the language is the same. And we all going to like the same kind of food. And we're going to take our kids to the same kind of places. It's just, Rodney, it's, I, I get it. We'll get there in heaven. But this is just easier. Listen, diversity will cost you. There are not many African-American pastors I know that are going after diversity. When I say no, I search for mentors in North Carolina and California and have phone calls. One African-American pastor in this area that I reached out to, went to his office, sat with him, older gentleman. He said, Rodney, what you're going after is hard. I said, I know. I said, I don't think you do. He said, Rodney, you're going to get hit with stones from both sides. 
I said, what do you mean? He said, Rodney, black folk going to look at what you're trying to do and stone you and call you, you ain't black enough. And Rodney, you're going to have white folks that look at what you're trying to do and they're going to stone you for trying to make that happen. You're going to get hit from both sides. We, we, what we are endeavoring into is tough terrain. But I don't choose terrain off difficulty. The gospel sets my track. So what Jesus says, he, he doesn't lean back, he leans in. Woman, if you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who it was that asked you, you would ask for more than ethnicity. Jesus says, basically sums up the gospel. The gospel is who Jesus is and what Jesus did, right? He sums up, he says, if you knew who I am, that's who Jesus is. If he, he says, if you knew the gift of God, what Jesus did, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask for more than race. I think sometimes when we choose different decisions in our lives, it's too shallow. We need to be asking for more. If you knew who it was that asked you that, you wouldn't get stuck here. I think there are times, not just in a spiritual sense, although I think there's a place for that, sometimes God is just trying to get you out of your little circle. Some of you all, you only talk to one type of person. If you, if you, if you had T-Mobile back in the day, they had that, that favorite five thing, whatever. <laughs> Top five, whatever. Some of our top five are too narrow. Some of your top five, all of them like you. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Um, same experience, same ideologies, same background, same culture. You, you got to broaden your, your, your bandwidth so that you can see differently, and in some case, farther, or richer, or more colorful. Don't get stuck here. Don't miss the gospel for nationalism. Don't miss the gospel for ethnic pride. Or this is my culture and I cannot betray it. He's bigger than our culture. Point number two. I love her. Listen, this woman, I, I love her. Verse 12 says this. Are you greater than our father Jacob? I don't know why I snapped. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> Just when I said it, that was my reaction. Um, here Jesus is just unfolding the beauty of the Gospels, talking about living water. Are you better than our father Jacob? First of all, if you know biblically who Jacob was, it, it, you don't really brag about a Jacob. But what is she saying? What is she saying? That word father, I believe in, in, in the Greek, is translated father's plural. Father's plural. What she's saying is, yes, Jacob uh, is, is our father, but also what has been passed down through generation and generation and generation and generation and generation about us. She's, she's not just talking about a historical figure that's the anchor of her faith. She's talking about kind of her culture and what's been passed down 
through the fathers. When she says, are you greater than Jacob, she's in essence saying, are you greater than all that I know? Are you greater than my family name? This is, this is very, very interesting because what she, what she says gets at the heart of some of our challenges with race relations. Are you greater than my race? She's going to learn how Jesus engages her ethnicity. Because the question is, Rodney, who could be better than me? Particularly because she is an oppressed person. One of the things people that have been marginalized, that have been ridiculed, that have suffered any kind of oppression, one of the things you find in in oppressed people is a knee-jerk reaction that says, ain't nobody better than me. I don't care who you are. You ain't you ain't better than me. You 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 ain't be- whatever you do I can do better. This is why people that have suffered this this kind of discrimination has a will and a tenacity that comes out of oppression to prove the fact of what Jesus settled in Genesis 2 where he says all of y'all were made in my image and in my likeness. I've given all of you dignity and value and know they're not better than you. And so in all of us, it's this reaction to prove, ain't nobody better than me. Particularly people that have experienced discrimination. So he says, are you better than my father? Are you better than my lineage? Are you better than my name? Are you better than my culture? But ethnicity is a horrible place to go to to find identity. Um, Come here. There is a whole movement that is pushing for minorities of different groups, different races, to find them their true selves and in finding who they are gain a better picture or finding where they're from gains a better picture of who they are. Luther came up, and he's going back to the motherland. And listen, has anybody been to Africa, anybody? Okay, praise God, praise God. Listen, you go, it's like, it's crazy. It's like, you know, you walk in, they got the drums going, and you, the beat is hit. Da, 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 da. You're like, oh, snap, I'm home. Never been there. I'm home. <laughs> the, these my people, these, forget all the people in America who birthed you and your whole lineage. No, these my people. because I think we've been conditioned, even Africa being, from many historians saying it's kind of the place where, where, where life emerged. I think, I think in, in, in some of all of us, we're, we're trying to trace back. We're try, where am I from? Who am I? Who was my great-great-great-great-grandfather? What's that program that does all that for you? Whatever y'all said, that works. Uh, yeah, that, that pro, like, the, what makes that sell? There are television shows about this. Who am I? I don't, I don't know who I am. Until I know what my, my great, 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 great grandmother did. 
But because in knowing that, it fills a void. And don't get me wrong, my, my, my family is from the islands, and, and when I go back and I got to see my, 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 my grandfather at 100 and something years old, it made sense to me because I can connect dots. Oh, 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 that's where my, my situation comes from. Yeah, right, right there. It's in, I can see it in him. But when we cross over into Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. It's a new identity. Your your name has been changed. Your nature has been changed. You've been given his spirit. You've been marked off. You've been sealed until the day of redemption. You've been redeemed. You've been brought back. You've been brought into the family of God. You are his. You see, you've changed. Your heritage has not changed. Your culture has not changed. And it doesn't need to. It just needs to get in the right position. Your culture, your ethnicity, now becomes subservient to your new identity. In other words, Christ now sets the agenda of my life with my time, with my gifts, with my money, and with my ethnicity. And so I do not worship my race. I appreciate my race. I glean from my race. I I, I celebrate all the beauty that is engulfed in my culture as an individual, but I don't worship there. Yeah, Lord. I I, I worship at the throne. And I I I don't seek my relationships with only people that look like me because I understand from the beginning he's been about diversity. And so now I look at all the creation and say these could be brothers and sisters in the fold of Jesus. Now I don't pick who I share my faith with based on race. I don't really know if I can relate. Question, are you a sinner? Yeah. Are they a sinner? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> he's, he's causing us not to erase our ethnicity. Please, I'm saying this multiple times because I don't want you to mishear me. He's calling us to bring our ethnicity, our blackness, our our, our, our whiteness, our Asianness, our Hispanics. Uh, he wants to bring all of that under the lordship of Jesus. And so when there's a conflict of interest, Jesus wins. Well, you know who get this the most? I'm just blabbering at this point. Comedians. Have y'all ever heard comedians do Hispanic jokes or Asian jokes or white jokes or black jokes? Anybody? Come on, Kings of Comedy made millions off of this. Here's what they'll do. They'll say, you know, white people, and they'll do a little rant, whatever they want to say about white people. They'll say, black people, and do a little rant. And everybody's laughing. <laughs> They're laughing. Why are they laughing? Because something he said connected with them. 
there's these generalizations that we come to believe about what a certain group does and what a certain group does. When we come into the kingdom, we don't make those assumptions because now we have a new identity. Amen? Okay. All right. Let's look at our last verse for the day. Um, before we do, let's talk a little bit about this popular uh, P word, if you will. Um, there's been a lot of talk about this idea of white privilege. It is the idea that whites have this higher place in society because of their race. I think... If you, can, if you just peruse history, you know that's true, right? You can say that. But we don't stop there because we all been privileged in one way or another. I love what Brian Loritz says about this. I commend this book to you, Insider, Outsider. Incredibly helpful. Look what he says on this slide. Privilege is never the problem. It's the stewardship of privilege that's the issue. I got privilege, you got privilege, all God's children got some kind of privilege. It's not about the privilege, it's how we manage that. Okay? So take, for instance, if you grew up in a home that has a father and a mother, if, if that was you, no shade on anybody that grew up in a house with just a mom or just a dad, or no shade on anybody that grew up in a home with adoptive parents. No shade here. But statistically, if you grew up in a home with your mother and the father, you have a statistical advantage. Just do society's research. That's privilege. If you uh, grew up in a house where um, you, didn't, you, you weren't on food stamps or public assistance, no shade to anybody that grew up that way, uh, no, no shade at all, but if you had means, you have a kind of privilege. If you name the name of Jesus and the person next to you has not named that name. Biblically, theologically, just in life, you have a privilege. You have categories in which to live your life. You see, if I focus on white privilege, how can I love someone which I'm focusing on their advantage and not considering my own. Not to say anything that happened historically is not true. Come on, hopefully uh, you guys know that. But in the same sense, if I am moving in, 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 into what God's called us to move into, I have to handle well my privilege. He continues in this quote, he says this, it's not about it's how you steward privilege, that's the issue. Just ask Jesus. No one came into this world more privileged than Jesus. 
the one and only Son of God. I am grateful he leveraged his privilege for my good. So ain't nothing wrong with being privileged. Ain't nothing wrong. Listen, you, you know, if you've been to a, a, a trade school, it's an advantage. You've been to college, it's an advantage. It's nothing wrong with being privileged, but how do you not let that privilege become who you are at your core identity? And then how do you leverage that privilege to bring along someone else? In our meeting this week, uh, this Thursday, Luther uh, and I and Seth were talking about, man, how do we, uh, as, as, as we talk about kids that are around this area that, that Luther's called to minister to, we're thinking, man, how do we engage? How do we engage? Do we do literacy? Do we do sports camps? Just working through different scenarios and how to engage these children. And one of the things that came to our mind is God has given this church a lot of young professionals. He's given this church people that have owned their own businesses. Praise God for that. So here's the thought. How do we leverage what God has given us and provide mentorship and internships to these kids who may have never seen anything like this before? The question is not just they got privilege. The question is how do I leverage my own? Amen? Lastly, I'm done. Come and see. Come and see. Our text here picks up later on. Again, we'll cover more next week. He says this. Just then his disciples returned. This is after Jesus has ministered to her, called her out on her sin, um, um, revealed that he was the Messiah, did all of that. At the end, his disciples come back. They had left to go get food. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with this woman. But no one asked him, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jug, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards Jesus. Get the picture. This woman who had Five husbands shacking up with one of them. But number seven might be different. Could this be the man, the Messiah, the, the one I've been looking for in all of these other men? Could it be found in Jesus? When we get over our racial barriers, our, our, our ethnic pride, our nationalism, one of the things we see is there's a whole world of people waiting on the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God to go out and be sought in light, but they may not look like you. Jesus would say later on in this passage, the fields are white or the harvest is ready. Laborers that have an understanding where to place their ethnicity are few. What if God's calling on your life is to reach mostly people that don't vote like you, think like you, look like you, different culture than yours? 
but He's gifted you to reach them. We got to get past our own barriers. Last thing I'll say then with the communion. I have not used the word racism intentionally because racism can happen with black folks, white folks, Hispanic folks, and Asians. Here's what I'll say. It is plausible that there can be racism in here. Rodney, why do you say that? Because we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. It's possible you could be sitting under this preaching and struggling with racism. You see, when we can call it what it is, we can be healed. If we cloak it in, well, look what happened. If we cloak it in, I, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable around them. Everyone standing this morning. Oftentimes we say God is calling us to surrender. I think one of the areas he's calling us to surrender to lay down our ethnic pride, lay down our nationalism, lay down and leverage our privilege, and if need be, lay down our racism. By the year 2044, Hispanics will be the largest population in the United States. Whites will become a minority. America is browning. Here's what's important for us to understand. If we don't have a multi-ethnic ideology, an approach to ministry, we won't be relevant. God's calling us. He's calling me. He's calling you to lay it down for his glory and his good. Love who you are and love where you're from. But it never trumps your identity in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you will say, Rodney, I don't, I don't have that identity you're talking about in Christ. Prayer team, we're going to ask that you come. Prayer team, come. And you say, Rodney, I, I, I don't have that. That's, that's not what I have. I don't, I don't know for certain. You talk about heaven being multi-ethnic. I don't even know if I'm going. Good news is Jesus came to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. There's a, it's the greatest story ever told. That's you, and, and, and you don't have that, that, that surety, that confidence. We're going to ask that you come. Our prayer team would love to explain what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you all, you've been thinking about it. You've been back and forth. You've been swaddling the fence. And today is a day of surrender. For others, if you're here, maybe God's calling you to lay down your, your ethnic pride, to lay down your privilege, to lay down your nationalism, to lay down your, your racism. I know this is a hard call. 
I know this is a hard call. I almost feel like the Lord has us on his operating table. Has us opened up, and I think he's touching some sensitive places even now. The surgeon can be trusted. If that's you this morning, come. If that's you this morning, come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Never the same. Never the same. Never the same. Never the same. Never the same, Lord. Give us eyes to see. Give us eyes to see. While you're there standing, I want to pray. So this church, if you need prayer for any other reason, I'm going to ask that you come. I'll give you a few more moments. you need prayer for any other reason, Maybe you say, Rodney, that was a good message, but that's not what I'm dealing with. I'm really dealing with this, and I need somebody to pray over me and encourage me. If that's you, come, want to pray. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray over this church. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would, that you would lay us down, lay us bare before you. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, throughout this week and in the coming weeks, begin to uproot anything in us that's not like you. Begin to call out, show us in conversation, stuff that comes out of our own mouth, stuff that we say. Our own elitism. Or our own inferiority to other races. Lord, help us to understand this morning that we don't need to be superior or inferior because you've made us in our image and you've given us your identity. We can rest confidently in who you made us and how you made us. Father, we thank you and we bless you for all that you are and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.